Welcome to Money Tips by Charles Kelly, author of Yes, Money Can Buy You Happiness. Charles spent over 25 years in financial services, working for banks, insurance companies, and as a qualified independent financial advisor running his practice before setting up his speaking, consultancy, and property business. Money Tips will help you save, make, and accumulate more money, whether you are a business owner, entrepreneur, employee, or still searching for your vocation. Hello there, it's Charles Kelly, Money Tips with you again. Uh, Today we're going to talk about something that is really seriously affecting landlords in the UK, and that is the Section 24 tax hike brought in by George Osborne. Now, I won't steal uh, my guest's thunder, but I have with me today uh, a chartered accountant and a chartered tax planner, uh, Siddharth Agarol, but we call him Sid for short, it's much easier. So, uh, hi Sid, how are you? Good afternoon everyone, thanks Charles, thank you so much for the introduction, Uh, glad to be here on the channel. Great, great. Thanks very much. Well, recently, uh, just just last year, 29,000 landlords signed a petition calling on the government to uh, repeal Section 24 uh, because it is starting to seriously affect landlords. Landlords are starting to get into arrears with their mortgage. They're starting to see negative, not negative equity, but negative rent. So where the rent is is less than the mortgage. And this is a double whammy of higher tax and higher interest rates. But I'm going to let Sid talk about this. Now, Sid, give us a, a bit of background on, on the Section 24 and how it's really affecting landlords at the moment. So, Charles, let me start by saying the first principle that I, I learned when I was studying accounting was revenue less expenses equals to profit. Yes. But I guess for landlords, that's not the case anymore. Because if you think about it, mortgage interest is one of the uh, one of the major expenses for majority of the landlords. But the, those expenses are no longer deductible uh, from your revenue, which means it, inc- it it results in a very high tax for them. And these restrictions were initially phased out uh, in terms of percentage. The finance cost restriction uh, was phased out in terms of uh, in terms of percentage. But then from 2020 21 the restriction applies at 100%. Now, with the Section 24, although you can't, the interest relief is restricted 100%, but any interest uh, interest cost that you've got, you get standard 20% tax relief on it. So anyone who is a basic rate taxpayer, I think for them, the position doesn't change much, provided, uh, provided that their income still remains below 50,000 pounds, given the fact they're no longer allowed to deduct the interest cost, but anyone who is a high rate taxpayer, for them, the major challenge is uh, they could be, they, they, they could have an income of more than 100,000 pounds just because they can no longer deduct the interest, which means they lose their personal allowance. Some of them, they might go down from basic rate taxpayers to becoming high rate taxpayer, which may again affect the child benefits. And then the major thing is, as you talked about, negative cash flow. Because of the interest relief restriction, a lot of landlords are experiencing that they don't have the enough cash flow after they've paid the tax. So definitely it's affecting a lot of them. And it's a serious problem that uh, that can be mitigated. And there are solutions that they can work through. But the matter of fact is uh, just looking into individuals' position and seeing what they can do. So definitely, you're because you, you specialize in... In, you have a lot of landlords and property tax. So you, you're, you're now seeing landlords who, where their tax has gone up, maybe pushing them into higher rates of tax, yep. which is 40%. Or you're seeing landlords who have, say, another job and they're, they're earning more than 50,000, which is not a fortune these days. Uh, a lot of people have been pushed into higher rate tax. So they could be, you know, a senior a nurse or a teacher or a, a, 
some somebody work at a headmaster say and and they've got a few properties and and now that their tax has gone up and it can affect also their child benefit they can lose their child benefit and that can be clawed back i believe so we're seeing a lot of problems in in the industry and i believe 13,000 landlords are now in arrears according to uk finance so what can landlords do to mitigate this? What are, are they stuck? What, 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 so this is for people now who've got properties in their own name and they're, they're, they've yeah. got mortgages in their own name, which was traditionally the way to buy. It's the way I bought. You just bought one and you bought another one and, and used the leverage of the mortgage to get another one because you knew you could get the t- claim the tax relief like any other business. So it's for people with properties in their own name. What, what can they do about this? So for for majority of the people that we come across, they're either accidental landlords or the landlords who do have a considerable amount of property portfolio. Now, in order to mitigate the effect of Section 24, normally I break them down into six options. The first option is a lot of landlords that we work with, uh, they'll simply do nothing and uh, wait for the interest rates to go down. Now, especially for these people, if the cash flow is negative. That means they, they need to have other disposable income in order to ensure that they don't really fall behind on the mortgage payments. Uh, but, but I've seen a lot of people, they're just taking the head to the chin and uh, they've waited a couple of years, but it doesn't look like the interest rates are going down anytime soon. So for them also, they will have to start planning yeah. and look at the options that they've got. Uh, the second option is to pay down borrowings. Now, again, with paying back borrowings, it's not going to be very easy because one of the reasons why people become landlords is uh, one of the reasons why you take mortgages because leveraging works. A lot of landlords, they've grown their property portfolio by leveraging. Uh, if your pocket allows, then definitely you can pay down borrowings. But I guess that would, again, be very difficult for majority of the people that we work with or we come across to. The third option is increasing the rent. Uh, again, that's easier said than done because increasing the rent, you may find a tenant you can uh, who may be prepared to pay the higher rent, but you won't be able to charge more than the market rent uh, no. or the going rate. So again, that'll be an option, not an option for a lot of landlords uh, that you may come across. The fourth option is um, if Section 24 is the main evil, then you can think about changing. Oh, Sorry. So if Section 24 is affecting you, then you can think about changing the property use. So rather than letting it out as an AST or or a simple buy to let, you can actually convert the property into a serviced holiday accommodation, for example, a furnished holiday let. So with furnished holiday let, you're still allowed to deduct the entire interest. And then you can claim things like capital allowances, in the future, if you were to dispose the property, it will you may be you may qualify for some of the reliefs that apply for capital gains tax, and and the same will apply to commercial properties as well. So you can think about uh, buying commercial properties and, and 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 investing into commercial properties if, if that works for you. The fourth option could Sorry, be. Can I just stop? So this this are people who are letting properties on an AST twelve months let. They can convert it to a holiday let. Yeah, I mean that sounds great, but. You know, with, with holidays, so it's a totally different ball game, and you probably need to inform your lender and your insurance. I just wanted to say that before we we carry on, you, because lenders lend you the money based on an AST, not you know letting it on Airbnb. And th- th- there's also problems in cities and in blocks of flats which may not allow that. So I just wanted to put, put a warning in there. And not every property is suitable for a holiday let. Okay, sorry, go, carry on for. Yeah, then then you can look at other tax planning options. So things like making pension contributions again you need to have relevant earnings for that for 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 making personal pension contributions so if your income is only through property letting then uh, property letting income doesn't really qualify for pension contributions which means the maximum you'll be able to contribute is 3600 
Then the, you can think about splitting the income with your spouse or other family members. Again, we'll have to look at the capital gains tax position and stamp duty land tax position before you start splitting the income with someone else. Uh, or you can think about uh, gift rate relief. So there are some sort of tax reducers which you can look into if you want to reduce the overall tax. But I'm, I'm sure this is something which you may have discussed already with your accountant. Yeah. That brings you down to our fifth option, which is a property management company. So you can think about setting up a company which can then take over the full management of your letting business. Uh, the company will deal with collecting rents, managing tenant queries. It can be responsible for repairs and full maintenance of the property. And in the process, the company can charge you a fee which a normal estate agent would charge to manage the properties on your behalf. Again, with landlords who already are using agents, uh, it may be difficult. And given that there's a set amount, uh, the, the maximum amount you'll be able to pay the company will be 15, 20%. So it may not, it may save you some tax depending upon the number of properties and the size of your portfolio and the turnover, but then it may not be a lot uh, for you. The final option then comes down to moving the properties into a limited company. With a limited company, the key benefit is as opposed to 40% or 45% tax that an individual would pay, a company is most likely to pay 19% tax if the profits are below 50,000 pounds. The maximum tax the company is now going to pay is 25%. But the biggest advantage for the company is full tax relief for the mortgage interest rate. So any interest that the company is paying on the loan it's taken to buy the properties that can be fully offset against the revenue which the company is raising. And then with limited company in general, there are a lot of tax planning measures available. Uh, so a company can actually give you things like company car. It can provide you with other benefits. Overall, the, the the tax planning can be a lot better when it comes to a limited company. And that not only applies to your income tax position, but then for inheritance tax also, limited company are generally much more easier to plan with. Is that because you can transfer shares to children and, and this sort of thing? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So technically, you can transfer the shares to children. You can have well, family investment companies, you can have growth and freezer shares. So there are a lot of different variants as far as company is concerned. And it's, it's a lot easier to plan the income from the company because as a sole trader or as a person who owns the property in your name, you don't really have any control on the amount of personal tax you pay. Whereas with the company, once the company has paid the coefficient tax, now it's entirely down to you how much you want to withdraw from the company as dividends. If you don't really need the money, you can just leave them leave the funds in the company as reserves. The reserves can then be used to either pay off the mortgages if the interest rates are very high, or the money can be used to reinvest into other properties, for example. Whereas with the landlord uh, who's got the properties in their name, you have to pay tax on all the income that you receive from your letting business. Okay. So the last option sounds to me like the only permanent solution. It, it would take a lot of... Um effort to set it up but you you know with, with the firm of accountants they could do all that but it sounds like it's the only permanent solution because the others are just tinkering around at the edges and and doing nothing certainly no good paying down loans it's not always easy there might be penalties to pay down a loan so the limited company um but would, would moving it to a limited company then involve tax because then you're effectively selling the property to a limited company yeah so b before i jump down to transferring the properties into limited company. The only thing that I would like to add is, Charles, uh, since the coefficient tax rates have gone up now to 25%, yeah. and, uh, assume, uh, and if, a law, if a landlord is 
kind of reliant on the property letting income uh, for their normal day-to-day -day expenses or for their disposable income, then it's still worth doing a calculation first to see whether a limited company is beneficial for you because the dividend allowance is now reduced to 1,000 pounds and is going down to 500 pounds for next year. Again, the dividend tax has increased from 7.5% to 8.75% for basic rate taxpayers. Plus, it's gone to the, gone from 32% to 33.75% for high rate taxpayer. And then uh, similarly, it's gone up for the high additional rate taxpayers as well. So it's definitely worth doing a computation with the accountants or tax advisor to firstly see whether the limited company does meet your needs. But as I said, in majority circumstances, that would be the case, especially uh, especially if you're if you're happy to kind of look into other expenses, which the company can provide you as a benefit. Now, going back to the same uh, to the question of transferring the properties into company, uh, again, with majority of the landlords, it's not going to be very easy to move the properties into a company. Uh, there are two two main taxes which come into play. One is the capital gains tax. So capital gains yeah. tax is is, is mainly the increase in value since the time you bought the property. And uh, so, so let's say a lot of landlords would have bought the property ages ago, and now the properties must have increased in price. So the first cost they would have is when they're transferring the property into a limited company, they will have to pay capital gains tax on the increase yeah. in value. And uh, I, I keep getting the question from a lot of landlords, uh, who decides this value? The simple answer for that is the company is connected to you and any transfer that happens between you and the company will always take place at market value, which means you will have to get a survey evaluation or an, est or, or an estate agent valuation to see what the current market value of the property is. Because in case of the property valuation is challenged by HMRC, then you should be able to prove it that this is the current market value of the property. So there will be capital gains tax involved for a lot of landlords. But again, having said that, since the property market has gone down compared to what we had probably in the last few years, it's still worth looking at the current market value of the properties to see how much gains these properties have got. Uh, the, the second issue is uh, when you're transferring the property, you will have to pay stamp duty land tax. Again, with limited companies, Section 53 comes in, which means any transfer of properties to the company will happen at its market value, which means the company will now have to pay stamp duty land tax. And then with companies, there's no exemption for first property. So the company is always assumed to be buying its second property, which means any property that you transfer to the company, the company will have to pay the 3% additional surcharge, which applies to purchasing second homes. Uh, but yeah, but there might be few reliefs available as far as overall things are concerned. And then once we have looked at the taxes, the third thing we need to consider is the mortgage. So a lot of uh, a lot of the lenders will won't allow uh, uh, an existing mortgage to be moved to a company, so they won't be able to novate the mortgages to a company, which means uh, you you will have to remortgage the properties into the company before you can transfer it to the company. Okay. Okay. So. There's quite a lot to consider there, the stamp duty, the CGT, the capital gains. Um, and of course, if, if, the, if the landlord takes the other option, sells the property, they're going to pay capital gains tax as well. So you're, you're kind of, between, you know, whatever way they're going to get you one way or the other. Um, but a lot of landlords have been talking about another solution, uh, like a, um, a, a sort of bridge between where you are now and, and get into that limited company. There is, there is another solution that you've, you've put forward to some of the landlords that works but for many of them. So what, what yeah. can they do to mitigate some of these taxes? That on Because on, when you say transfer, it sounds easy. I'm just transferring it from here to there. But effectively, it's almost like a sale, isn't it? In, in terms of the capital gains and the, the stamp duty, they're treating it almost like a sale because you are a different entity as an, an individual to 
the limited companies is a different entity. Um, yeah. so what can they do to mitigate some of these taxes? Yeah, so for, for capital gains tax, uh, there's a very valuable relief called the incorporation relief. Uh, and uh, if the conditions for the incorporation reliefs are satisfied, then when you transfer the properties into the company, all the relevant gains in the property are deferred. Uh, when we say deferred, basically the gains only crystallize when the company is sold eventually. So under the incorporation relief, the condition that needs to be satisfied is, first of all, you will need to transfer your property business as a going concern, uh, which means that it should the company should be able to continue the business without any interruption. Secondly, you'll have to transfer all the properties to the company. And so you can't really pick and choose which properties you want to transfer. The entire business has to be transferred to okay. the company. And then finally, the consideration that you receive. So when you're transferring the business, the company will have to pay you some consideration or the consideration equal to market value. The entire consideration or the whole consideration should be paid uh, fully in newly issued shares by the company. So as long as these three conditions are satisfied, then incorporation relief can apply. Now, for majority of the landlords, uh, I think the, the the two conditions, which is transferring the assets of the business to the company and then the company issuing shares should be okay. But then the main challenge is whether the, whether the property letting business, uh, property letting activities they're carrying out will constitute a business or not. Because if it does not really meet the requirements for it to be classed as a business, then again, the incorporation relief wouldn't apply. For business, uh, unfortunately, Charles, there's no there, there's no legislative definition of business, uh, but it's been decided in in a very famous upper, upper tribal ruling, which was Ramsey versus HMRC. I'm sure a lot of listeners must have. Already... Ramsey versus HMRC. Yeah. HMRC, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was an interesting case because initially the taxpayer lost, and then they appealed to the upper tribunal, wherein the it was then ruled out in their it was ruled in their favor, and HMRC lost this case. Uh, again, Mrs. Ramsey was was a sole trader case where they transferred their properties into a limited company claiming incorporation relief. Initially, HMRC denied the incorporation relief, stating that it's not a business which they are transferring and therefore the incorporation relief shouldn't apply. And then later on, they appealed to the upper tribunal when again, the, the, this was then ruled out in their favor. Now, with, with, the with the Ramsey case, if I was to summarize the case, what we need to ensure is for, for it to be classed as a business. First of all, there should be su sufficient degree of activities for it to constitute as a business. Now, again, when we look at the number of activities, we'll have to see what the landlord is doing with the property business. If they've got all, uh, so for example, you may have a landlord which is, who's got 10 properties, but then all of these 10 properties are being completely managed by the agents, the landlord only earns a passive income, then it'll be very hard to argue that they are running a business because essentially speaking, they're not really doing any activities for, for, for the business. So it'll be very hard to argue in that sense. But then uh, a landlord who's got no other income, who's got no other day-to-day -day job, and they're fully involved in managing their property business, uh, then again, for them, we could kind of say that the active, as long as the activity is substantial, then they could qualify for the incorporation relief. Second thing, what we need to see is it represents a seriously pursued undertaking. They are they, they are undertaking a business. Then it needs to be conducted on sound and recognized business, business principle. So they should kind of behave like a business as far as the activities are concerned. And then finally, what HMRC wants to see is uh, 
it is a common trade through which people seek 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 to earn profit and i guess that would be the case because landlord as a business has been there for ages now so i guess as long as we meet these four conditions then probably we can kind of say that this is a business and at the end of the day any activity uh, and at the end of the day if the landlord was to transfer the business to a limited company they should qualify for the incorporation relief okay and um, would that solve all their problems then because yeah, so been... the incorporation relief, the capital gains tax will be deferred. So how it works is the properties will be transferred at its market value to the company and the company will basically issue them shares in exchange for the properties that they have transferred. Uh, the benefit is the company basically acquires the properties at its market value, which means if the company was to immediately sell the properties, there's no incorporation tax for the company to pay. So we do come across a lot of landlords who want to sell off some of the properties which they don't like or... Uh, it's just that it's not been making a lot of money for them uh, recently. But the only reason why they don't want to sell it is because of the huge capital gains tax liability, which would crystallize if they were to sell it to a third party. So in this case, it works very valuable. And then, uh, yeah, so as I said, uh, the entire capital gains tax will be deferred because the the base cost of the properties will now sit in the shares. And unless and until the landlords basically sell the shares, there won't be any capital gains tax for them to pay. But I guess in, in in practice, I haven't really seen anyone selling the entire shares of the company. So they would continue to run the business through a company, at least for the longer run. So most likely the STL, the, the capital gains tax liability is not going to trigger as far as CGT is concerned. Okay. Um, that, that sounds great. I mean, I, I think if, if you're watching this and you're a little bit confused, don't, don't worry. I mean, there's a lot to take into account here. There's a lot of things. And I, I definitely wouldn't do a DIY job on this uh, because... You know, if it goes wrong and the revenue of the HMRC come back again and then you've got investigations and all this and, and, it, and it's, it's just not worth the hassle. Uh, believe me, uh, trying to do these things yourself. I mean, you might get away with it and then later on they come back and hit you with a load of inquiries and then 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 you're in problems. And it could be no fault of your own. You've just made mistakes and that could cost you dearly. Um, so are there any other th other solutions to this then? Um, if, if this perhaps doesn't work quite for some people, what, what else can they do? So, uh, so firstly, we looked at capital gains tax. Now, although the incorporation relief caters to the capital gains tax, it doesn't really, there's no equivalent relief for stamp duty land tax. So what will happen is even if the landlord transfers all the properties to the company using incorporation relief, then although there's no capital gains tax for them to pay, at least on the incorporation, they'll still have to consider stamp duty land tax because incorporation relief will not really give you any exemption for STLT. And as I stated previously, uh, the section 53 basically imposes a deemed market value rule, which means when the property is transferred to a company, uh, the seller and the company is connected to each other, which means uh, they'll have to pay stamp duty land tax at the market value. Now, be a lot. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. So th this will be a lot because the company has to pay the 3% additional surcharge. Now, the first thing to do is uh, for landlords, when they're transferring the properties into the company, there will they there will be more than two two residential properties which they're transferring. So it should be possible for the company to claim something called multiple dwellings relief, which is available in Schedule 6P. Uh, with the with the with the multiple dwellings relief, the STLT charge might be more palatable compared to a straightforward charge, which may apply when you're transferring all the properties. Uh, how the multiple dwelling relief works is child MDR basically for MDR purposes we take into account the total value of all the properties together. We then divide the total value by the number of dwelling, which gives us the average price of one dwelling. 
and then we calculate the STLT. And then once we get the figure, uh, the, 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 the figure is multiplied by the number of properties that are involved, which means overall you can still get a result where the stamp duty land tax is, is something which is palatable, but that will all depend upon the number of uh, the number of properties and the value of the properties involved. Uh, this is where it gets a little bit more interesting because if landlords, they've got a mixture mix of portfolio where they've got commercial properties and residential properties, then we can claim something called mixed use with MDR where the 3% surcharge doesn't apply. So as we saw for the STLT, yeah. the, the biggest problem is the 3% surcharge. But then if you're transferring properties which are residential and commercial, and as long as you've got more than two residential properties along with the commercial that you're transferring, then you can claim mixed use with MDR. And the key benefit is the 3% charge doesn't apply. Okay. Which means, uh, the STLT liability can be significantly lower compared to even the MDR calculation that we looked at. So definitely that's the first route which they should be looking at. Then, then we come down to partnerships. I'm sure a lot of our listeners would have come across uh, the, the, the provisions which apply to partnership, they must have been told that if you're running the property business as a partnership, then technically there won't be any stamp duty land tax to pay. Uh, th that's certainly true. If currently, if your property portfolio is managed through a partnership or if, you're, if you've been running the business as a partnership, then if, if the properties are transferred from the partnership to a connected company, then the beneficial of provisions which apply to uh, partnerships apply and they are contained in Schedule 15 of Finance Act 2003, which simply means that when the properties are transferred to the company, uh, we do a calculation, which is a sum of lower proportion. So at the end of the day, with the help of the calculation, uh, as long as all the partners in the partnership are connected, the STLT liability will be nil. So definitely you know, for landlords who are already running the business as a partnership, for them, definitely it's worth considering incorporation because as long as they meet the definition for business, as far as capital gains tax is concerned, and the partnership they're running meets the requirement of the partnership, then in most cases, there won't be any CGT or STLT to pay for that matter. So that can include husband and wife? Husband and wife, yeah. For husband and wife, uh, they we, we have to ensure that all the hallmarks for partnership are present. Right. If they're just running the property portfolio jointly, then it's unlikely they would meet the qualifying requirements for the partnership. Why, why is that? Sorry. So, so for the partnership, there, there has to be partnership hallmarks. They, they should be registered with HMRC. Right. To follow the partnership, has, should have its own UTR. Okay. Uh, they should have filed the partnership tax return. They should have a separate bank account for the partnership. All the tenancy okay. agreements, uh, expenses, everything that they're doing should be in the name of the partnership. Otherwise, what HMRC would say is, since because you're running the property businesses jointly, it doesn't really constitute a partnership and therefore uh, yeah. you won't be eligible for the relief. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I, I used to own properties jointly with somebody, but we did our own tax. So, you know, they had their tax accounting and, and we just split the income. So it wasn't really a partnership. We didn't have our own UTR number. So I, I, I get what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. And then the agreement, and so all the hallmarks should be present. There should be agreement, uh, agreement between the partners, how the profits and losses and the capital are being split. Because I've seen a lot of people just kind of declaring that we are a partnership and that's the reason why the provisions of partnership would apply. But there's been a recent case, Cook versus HMRC, where anyone who reads the case, they can see that the the, the, the hurdle to define yourself as a partnership is, is is very high. So HMRC would be taking a very dim view if somebody just 
kind of uh, states that they are running a partnership without really having all the hallmarks that we discussed about. Yeah, so I think it's a couple of things. A lot of people might think, oh, we're in a partnership, but they're not. A lot of people might think we're running a property business, but they're not in the eyes of the revenue uh, that HMRC, I keep calling the revenue. But yeah, so there's a lot to consider here. There's a, and this is where you need advice. Is, is there anything, any other solutions then? If, if say, they're not in a partnership, what, what else can they do? Like someone's got their property, maybe it's all in one name, but they're married or whatever. Not everybody is in a, in a proper partnership, are they, with a business? Yeah, so what they can do is uh, if somebody has a property business in their name, I think, uh, and if they are married, and the first thing to consider is whether they can split the income with their spouses. And when so when they kind of form the partnership with their spouse, there won't be any capital gains tax or stamp duty land tax for them to consider. Uh, they can create a partnership today. Uh, the benefit with 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 the with the with with bringing spouses is ultimately, as I said, there won't be any CGT and SGLT, and then you can decide the profit sharing ratio based on your other income. So if you've got a lower lower paying spouse, then definitely you can you can you can kind of split a lot of income with them, provided they are spending time in managing the property portfolio also uh, with you, and then maybe run the business as a partnership, and after that. Uh, after that, you can think about incorporation. A lot of the times we do get asked, what is a safe period uh, for, for creating a partnership and then transferring it to uh, a limited company? Now, again, first of all, we'll have to prove that the partnership does exist for genuine commercial reason. And the only reason why the partnership has been set up is not to get the STLT exemption. Uh, and, that, uh, and therefore, the partnership, uh, as we described, there should be all the hallmarks present. Uh, uh, again, there won't be any safe period. A lot of the times we do hear a three period as often cited as 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 a uh, as a safe period. Uh, but nothing in the legislation says that if you've set up the partnership for three years, you should be okay. The more the time you keep for the partnership, I think your case gets stronger. But then we can always look at the cases in isolation, see how the partnership has been set up, how we've been running the property portfolio, and later on then decide whether there, there are merits of putting this into a limited company. Yeah, so I see, I see a lot of stuff on the internet, you know, that makes it all sound easy. Put your properties into an LLP and then a limited company. And it all sounds like a simple three-step process, but it's not, is it? There's so many things to consider before you even go down the, this step because, you, you, you know, you need proper advice on this. And unfortunately, the average accountant, in my opinion, uh, in my experience anyway, is that they look at your books at the end of the year. They say, oh, yeah, OK, right. This is how much tax you're going to pay. They never advise you on what you could do to 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 limit your tax liability. They just it's almost like a bookkeeping service. They run it through a computer and tell you how much tax you're going to pay. So they're not really planning. I mean, what you're saying here takes quite a lot of planning. It could take a, a number of years before you're out of, of the woods. But I think it's definitely worth looking at, isn't it? And is there anything else you want to add on this then? Any other uh, tips and solutions or, or is that is that pretty much it? The, the whole yeah, so I would say that, that so in terms of the tips that we looked at, if I was to summarize, and the first thing to do is uh, we need to look at what are the tax planning options that, that are available with you. So simple things like putting money into pensions, looking into gift aid relief, uh, seeing what sort of expenses you're claiming as far as uh, property business is concerned, because we do come across a lot of landlords who have not really used all the expenses that they might be yeah. entitled to. A lot of the time, these easy things can help you reduce your tax drastically, or at least bring you down into the basic rate band, which means you're not really affected by the Section 24 charge. 
the 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 third thing that we looked at is basically increasing the rents, which we saw is is not really feasible. We can change the use of the property again, as Charles mentioned. You'll have to discuss with your mortgage provider, and and it does require a lot of work as far as furnish holiday let and service accommodation is concerned, uh, because at the end of the day, there will be more responsibility for you to manage if you're getting if if your tenants are changing uh, in 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 shorter duration. Then we looked at uh, property management company that would work. A lot of landlords who've got uh, who, who, who don't really have substantial income as far as uh, letting business is concerned, and then we jumped into a limited company. But what we can look at is uh, somebody who doesn't really want to go down directly into a limited company for a number of reasons. There could be things like uh, they've got a spouse, which is lower lower tax paying for them. They can always think about partnership or they can form a partnership with the children as well, because with the partnership, you can then decide how you want to split the income, at least in the first year, and, 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 and agree it. And maybe future down the line, if there are any merits or if the spouse becomes a higher rate taxpayer, you can still have the option to move it into a limited company, provided the partnership was run uh, on a genuine basis. Yeah. Okay, great. And, and, um, you see, a lot of people might watch this video and go to their accounts and say, what do you think about this? And you can oh, no, don't bother with that. It's too much hassle. It's, sometimes it's just because they're, they're not sure of all the rules and or, or maybe they just don't want to get involved. You know, they just want to do their books and charge their fees. So I, I, I would always take advice. Now, obviously, uh, Sid, you've got three offices in London. You, you've been doing this for years. You're very you're highly qualified, obviously. Um, but what, what you don't want is to get inundated with a load of phone calls. So what you've asked me to do is, um, if people could email me, if you've got an inquiry in this, you've got some properties, you, you're, you're, you've been suffering from Section 24. Um, if you've got an inquiry, just email me at charles at charleskelly.net. I'll put a link up, charles at charleskelly.net. And then I'll, I'll feed them through on the email to, to Sid's firm because uh, he's got people dealing with these. But um, I, I think it's been very useful. And what, what you're offering, I think, is a is a free consultation. You'll do a, a, a well, you tell me what you'll do, your consultation and a calculation. Is that right? Uh so initially, the process works uh, in, a, in, in a very simple manner. So you can pass on the details to Charles. Charles will then pass on the details to us. Initially, we would need information about your property portfolio, what your other income is, just to kind of do our initial assessment, whether you qualify for incorporation or not based on your property portfolio. Uh, once you've got the property portfolio information, we'll do the numbers as well to see whether there's a business case to think about incorporation or are there any other ways that we can look at to reduce your uh, reduce your income tax exposure. Uh, I'll do the initial assessment, then we'll book a call with you. Usually we, we don't really charge you anything for the initial call. It'll be a half an hour meeting where we go through the options with you. And then based on the based on what we discuss in the meeting, then we'll follow up from there and see how we can kind of implement strategies to mitigate the overall impact. Okay. And, and do people have to move their accountant to you or can you do this as a separate uh, job in terms of doing this and they still stay with their own accountant. A lot of people are like, I've been with my accountant 20 years. I, I don't want to move. Is that, is that, they don't have to move all of everything to you, do they? You yeah, can work so, with their accountant. Exactly, Charles. As you correctly said, we'll always work with the accountants. You don't really have to move your accountant. You can continue with your accountant. We take care of the tax advice side of things. We'll work alongside your accountant to kind of explain them how the transaction is working. And then I think from your point of view, you already have that relationship 
with the accountant for a number of years you trust them so it becomes a lot easier they they know they understand they, they'll probably understand better in terms of what we are doing on your behalf and they'll be able to articulate and communicate this to you uh, it's just a win win situation for us as well if there's a third party involved who can critically evaluate our work and and ensure that whatever we are doing is correct and 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 meets your requirement yeah, yeah. okay that, that's that's been really helpful and useful and you know, we've, we've been talking for a while and um, I've done some other videos on this and I've got a lot of inquiries. A lot of people are worried about this. Um, I, I don't know whether this applies to someone who's got one property, two properties, but I'm thinking however many properties you've got, there's always something you can do to mitigate your tax. And and maybe your accountant is not giving you all of the, the help you need to. I mean, you mentioned pension contributions. A lot of people are not putting enough into pensions. They're confused. What is a pension? How does it work? Uh, so there's lots of things you can do. A lot of people might not have, when you say split the income with the wife, what you're saying is maybe one or more is earning more than the other. But if they can try and allocate some of the income to them, they can equalize it, pay less tax. There's lots of things you can do. So I think it's definitely worth sending me an email and, and having a chat with you. And I think that there's important, you have to ensure that you're doing it in the correct manner. Because yes. the, with splitting income with your wife, you have to use something called Form 17. Again, that needs to be implemented in proper manner. There needs right. to be a declaration of trust or deed of trust to show that you own the properties in the ratio in which the income is being split. Otherwise, uh, if revenue was to challenge tomorrow, then you've got a big problem. So yeah, so a lot of these things, they do require planning, the paperwork, uh, it needs to, again, whatever paperwork you're doing, it again needs to be evidence with how it's being implemented actually. So that's where advisors like us come into play where we make sure that you're compliant with the tax man yeah compliant legal it's all above board this is not some sort of um tax uh, avoidance scheme let's, let's get that clear because you're a chartered you're a firm of chartered accountants that means you know you've got a certain status you've got a registration you're not going to to, to risk that for anybody by doing anything that would not be would not be within the law so everything here is, is within the law you had evidence of, of doing these things before so i think anyway i think find out I mean, thank you very much for that i think all i can say is uh, send me an email charles at charleskelly.net if you're worried about section 24 or, or your, your property tax, any property tax inquiries you've got, send them to me and, and we'll see what, what Sid can do. So thanks very much for that, Sid. It's been mind-blowing, actually. It's been great to to hear all that. There's so many things to consider, like you mentioned the Form 17 um, and, and and these sort of things. Wow, where's that come from? And uh, that, that, that's really very useful. Any, anything else you want to add or is that? Well, I think that's all, Charles. Thank you so much for having me on the channel. And uh, we look forward to anyone who wants to get some advice or at least consider the options, then then definitely come down to us. Sometimes there might not be a lot of things that we can do, but at least it will give you peace of mind that somebody qualified has actually looked into it and you're not really paying tax, more tax than you should be legally paying. That's it. Okay, great. And you've got quite a big team behind you, haven't you? You've got a big team in London. So, and... so we manage more than 13,000 clients in the UK across 27 offices. Wow. Uh, we have different brands which work in the DNS. As far as tax team is concerned, uh, we have about 12 people who work in the tax team. So we, we, we're more than happy to take over uh, any volume of work as far as DNS is concerned. Yeah. That, that's amazing. Thanks very much, Sid. And uh, hopefully we'll be talking again. So, so if you've got any worries about Section 24 tax, higher rate tax, please email me charles at charleskelly.net. So thanks very much. And we'll talk again, Sid. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Charles. Thank you for listening to Money Tips. For more tips and information, visit moneytipsdaily.com. 
The information given in this podcast is for your entertainment and should not be construed as financial advice. As always, take independent financial advice before making any investment decisions. 